One of the things we love most about Christmas is the music. Whether it is standing in a line at Target or listening to the radio on the way home from work. Hi, I'm Greg, one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. The music we hear reminds us that there's something unique about this time of year. In this series, Christmas Playlist, we'll take a look at some of the familiar Christmas songs and pull out some biblical lessons we can learn from them. We hope you enjoy. All right, well, Merry Christmas. I know that's a little weird, huh? But uh, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here, isn't it? I think that lobby looked pretty cool. Uh, can you imagine John Stahlberger, Pastor John, making all those little ribbons and those boxes? And No, yeah, he didn't. <laughs> well, uh, uh, before we get started, and to those of you online, uh, welcome. I want to uh, introduce to you some members of the church, friends, teammates, uh, Patrick and Mandy Clark. They're going to be making their way up. Let's give them a hand. Patrick and Mandy, the reason I thought we should start off the service with this is you've heard a little bit about the Christmas Village, but I want you to hear a lot about it. And so um, these two have been talking to me about this Christmas Village for about probably four years. It's been a dream, uh, particularly of Patrick's. And so we decided this year to, to launch into it. It's kind of one of those Jesus calling uh, Peter out of the boat moments, right? And we're just kind of dangling that foot, and we're going to trust as we walk on the water that God is going to be honored and blessed. But Patrick, I have a question for you. Um, what is the Christmas village that we'll be doing on December 17th through the 19th? Um, so, oh, that's loud. Uh, Christmas Village, I want you to kind of imagine small town Main Street on our back parking lot movie style. That's kind of the... Back, back I did it again. I keep pointing to Sherman Way. Over there. Um, yes. So how many of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay. Less than the first service, but that's pretty good. Um, so those of you that know that movie, we're kind of emulating that Main Street a little bit from that movie. So Anybody who hasn't seen it or for those who have seen it, I would refresh up on the movie before the actual event because you'll start to see things you recognize from that, uh, from that main street right there. But when you enter uh, Christmas Village, you're not only going to be entering a place that has, like the, of course, the Christmas lights and sounds and things like that, but there'll actually be some buildings there uh, in which you can go in and do some Christmas shopping. Things like um, honey, jewelry, some meat rubs, candles. I mean, all sorts of fun, different things. Bake, there's a, yeah, there's a, a bakery in there with fresh uh, bakery treats. As well, there will be um, uh, a, a uh, food, uh, like a food tent where you can uh, purchase um, dinner, uh, desserts, uh, funnel cakes, my favorite, to be honest with you, hot chocolate, hot cider, all sorts of things. And as well, Mandy Pinto, I think you've heard this already before, Mandy Pinto and her team will be doing uh, music, live music every night uh, in, on the, uh, in, in the village. But the true heart of uh, Christmas Village for me is that uh, I, I've always desired to bring people in who are like us, broken and in need of a savior. And so, um, I don't know if you saw a couple weeks ago, a field of lights went up for about a day or so, because we were trying to see if it was going to work. It does work, and so hopefully you'll come and see it. But that field of lights is basically God's message to us uh, about why we need Jesus. So it starts with perfection, it goes through the fall, and ultimately leads us to the manger. And my hope, and our hope, and the team's hope that's been working on this, is that people will come who 
maybe haven't been to church in a while or have never really heard this story and want to put it together and they find uh, the hope that Jesus brings for Christmas and have a great time while doing it. So um, we hope that you guys come and not only you, but bring people that, that have never heard or that are struggling or haven't been in church for a while because really it's for them as well. So that's, that's basically it in a nutshell. Awesome. And then Mandy, how can we um, help out? Because like Harvest Festival, it takes over 100 people and this event for three nights is going to need more than that. How could how can we, as uh, your teammates, help out? Yes, well, we will take every single one of you, if possible. <laughs> um, it really will take a village to make this um, happen. So we want to invite you to be part of what God is doing through West Valley. And um, we have needs from setup Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, teardown on Tuesday afterward. And then through the event, we need greeters. We need some awesome logistical people to help uh, direct traffic in the parking lot. Um, we need uh, people to help guide visitors through the different tunnels, um, kids craft helpers. We will take, oh yeah, actors for the nativity. We have live nativity cast, both a children's cast from 5 to 6, an adult cast from 6 to 8.30. So... We have costumes. You don't have to say much. <laughs> you just need to look the part. Um, and no age limit. There, we've had kindergartners helping us all the way on up. So don't let age be a limit. We will find a place for everybody, and we're excited to have you participate with us. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I, I just want to say this. Uh, as a pastor, the heart is to get people from the street to the seat here. And this is like Harvest Festival and other events that we do. This is an event that's going to be for our community. It's not for us. If you knew how much money is being spent, how many hours, I'm talking hundreds of hours uh, people have spent over the last four or five months building this village. I mean, it's going to be one of those jaw-dropping. It's not a cute few canopies out there. And so um, literally, one of the things I like to say is First Service did a pretty good job signing up. You're not signing up for all three days if you want to sign up for just one of the days. And even each day is split into two halves. So um, please, please, please um, see how you can help out and minister and be an extension of God's love to our community. Amen? So I'm, I'm excited. Um, our new series is called uh, Christmas Playlist. And so with that, I ha I'm led to a simple question. If you had a Christmas playlist, which probably some of you do, what song has to be on it? What song has to be on it? So I know I've asked you the question. That might be fun to have over dinner or lunch or uh, online or whatever. But um, if you're online, you could just tell Cynthia right now. This is my favorite. But my favorite is um, Silent Night. I don't know. Anyone else there for Silent Night? So for me, there's a reason. Um, I don't even know. Probably 30, 30 plus years ago, uh, my mom and I and my sister were driving on the 101 uh, north to um, my aunt's house, and she had Coast on, and the song Silent Night came on. Now, my mom and I weren't known for busting out in song together, but that song came on, and we, 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 we presented that song to my sister and the Lord like that song had never been sung before. I mean, you know, I would be on The Voice if it was recorded. Um, can, I, can I go sideways on this real quick? I haven't even said anything about this. Do you know that we have our third person 
that has gone really far on the voice from our school and church. So right now on this season is a kid that was uh, classmates with, with Drew and went to our school and um, coached him in baseball, Bodie. So if you're watching The Voice, Bodie, um, and he's led worship here before, he is killing it on there. So I'm um, sorry, final eight, but uh, there you go. But, but yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's where kind of my heart is. You know, my mom and I used to sing that song every year after that. So that's why that's my favorite song. But what's yours? So we're going to look at four. And, and really, uh, it's not the songs, but it's who the songs are about. And we are talking about Christmas. And just let me tell you, alert, alert, alert. We're talking about Jesus. Because Jesus truly is the reason for the season. Amen? God, help me to communicate your words this morning. Help us to have hearts that are ready to receive. I know in talking with people just after first service, Lord, that it just seems like our hearts are ready for a message like this. And I just pray, God, that you would just saturate with your Holy Spirit and allow it to give hope to us. And more than just hope, but that we would actually engage with um, this message, Lord, and let it change us. Help me, God, in my weakness to present your message of strength. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So right out the gate, take these notes, write this first one down. The first point is... Jesus in the Bible. Jesus in the Bible. And you're like, duh, pastor, of course. Yeah, but listen for a few minutes here. That Jesus is not just the baby story, not the Christmas story, not the manger. But Jesus starts in the book of Genesis and works his way all the way through the book of Revelation. And some of you have heard me share that, and some of you know that, but let me press into that to set the foundation for this whole series. You see the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? The Bible's kind of broken up into Old Testament, New Testament. The Old Testament, which our Jewish friends, that's, that's, we're all together on that, right? And, and so the Old Testament is all about Jesus is coming. Can you say that with me? Jesus is coming. Did you know that? That's really what the Old Testament's about. Yeah, you're going to hear about Moses. Yes, you're going to hear about Esther. Yeah, you're going to hear about Rahab the prostitute. Yeah, you're going to hear about David and Goliath. All these great stories. But all of that is pointing to this Messiah that's coming. This Jesus that's coming. And so scholars, many scholars have counted the prophecies. And the prophecies is the foretelling of something. So there's many prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And they've counted uh, over 300 of them. Now, I'm going to be honest, I've never done that. <laughs> I've never sat through and gone, okay, here's number one, here's number two. But there's over 300 prophecies. And if only one prophecy is, is, uh, is accomplished, that's, that's pretty amazing. You know, one out of 300, that's still a good statistic. But we're talking 300 plus prophecies shared, 300 plus prophecies fulfilled. Because if God says he's going to do something, he does it. And so there's over 300 of these prophecies, but one of them I want to read to you. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1 says, Who has believed our message and to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that, that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Is this, does this sound familiar? 
Like this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. This is what's being foretold. For he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. I love that right there. You might not. But remember, Pastor Rob preaches to pain every Sunday. That's just what I do. Because all week long, I'm talking to pain. I'm hearing pain. I'm experiencing pain in my own life. And here, this is such a great passage to remind us that he is familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely, in verse 4, he took up our pain. He took up our pain and bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on who? It was on this guy. And by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep and have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Church, look at me. Who's this about? It's about Jesus. That's about, I mean, spot on. Just what we read here in just this portion of scripture. And that might not mean a lot to you, but think about this. This is foretold long before Jesus would ever come to this earth. And long before Jesus would even die for our sins on a cross. This was prophesied. Because God spoke it into a man's heart. And said, you need to speak this because this is going to happen. And this happened over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. The prophets were foretelling that the Messiah is coming, the Savior of the world's coming, and it's going to be Jesus. Sit on that. Sit on it this week and think about that. Like this, this is amazing. This is spectacular. This is jaw-dropping. And so the Old Testament is about Jesus' coming. And then you got the first four books of the Gospels. The first four books, sorry, of the New Testament are the Gospels. And gospel means good news. Can you say that? Good news. Are we in need for some good news? I'm in need some for, for some good news. Are, do you have friends that need good news? You hung out with some family around Thanksgiving. Do they need some good news? Do your neighbors need some good news? Does that person sitting next to you today need some good news? Here's the reality. Your pastor needs good news. I like good news. I want good news. The gospels are good news. And it's good news according to Matthew. Good news according to Mark, Luke, and John. So let me give you an example of the gospels. Why this is about Jesus. Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're going to go to verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with him in the beginning, though uh, through him all things were made. Through this person, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And now some would say, ah, I'm not sure who this is about. Or I'm not even sure it's about a person. Maybe it's about the Bible. In the beginning was the Word And we talk about the Bible being the word. So well, maybe, maybe uh, John is talking about the Bible. He's not. Because in the beginning was not the word. And the word 
was not with God in the beginning. I mean, so that's not it. So what is it? Glad you asked. John chapter 1, verse 14, just a few verses later. You ready? The word became what, church? The word became flesh. Spoiler alert, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. The word became flesh, Jesus, Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of what? Jesus came full of what? And this is where I would love to go, oh, I want to preach on this so bad, because this is one of my favorite verses, because I've learned this passage over and over again, and I, my understanding has actually matured in this verse, because I love the fact that Jesus came full of grace and what? Truth, okay? And so, you know, being a very spiritual, godly man, and I have uh, education in this, and I would go, yeah, Jesus is 50% grace and 50% truth. I lived that theology for a long time, and that's, that's pretty good, you know, but I was wrong. I, I think it was, it was just before COVID when I said before you guys, whoa, 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 I've been wrong. Because Jesus is 100% grace and 100% truth. Did you catch that? Jesus is 100% faith or, or, or grace and 100% truth. And you're like, I don't understand that. Well, let me just give you a simplified version of this. If you are 100% truth, you're leaning towards legalism. You're that person that wants to make sure everybody knows what's right and wrong. And if they do something wrong, you're going to be the first person to make sure everybody knows about it, right? And I, I know I'm going to an extreme, but that's what I'm talking about. Legalism is an extreme of truth, right? Now, that's not wrong. I mean, it, truth is truth. But if that's all we have, who wants that kind of person in your life? Oh, you do? Okay, well, I'll set you up. No, no one raised, no one raised their hand, okay? Well, we don't want that. But here's the other extreme, grace. Grace is like, la, 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 la. I'll just do anything I want, whenever I want. And Jesus died, and la, la, la. Let's all sing kumbaya, right? That's kind of weird. But you see the, 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 the extremes? But here's what I've learned. I need, I need to work at being 100% truth and grace. So one of the things that is a compliment for me, uh, someone said this many, many years ago uh, in the lobby afterwards. They said, Pastor, every time you preach, I feel like you hugged me and kicked me in the butt. <laughs> and at first I didn't know what to do with that, but think about it. I'm like, that's awesome. Amen? Like, that's awesome. Because the kick in the butt's the truth, but the grace is the hug. Because I always need a kick in the butt of what's right to do, and I need the hug of when I've messed up. Does that make sense? I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were sharing some uh, about their life. And, I mean, this happens all the time. And I'm like, I know people are all the time when they share their their struggle or their sin or how they've messed up, they're probably sitting there the whole time, maybe even for weeks, months, or years going, oh, I feel like I, got, I need to tell Pastor Rob this. And he's probably going to, you know, he's going to think a lot less of me. I'm the opposite. There's many of you in here that have shared just your story with me. And I'm like, wow, thank you for trusting me. And you've just went up in my eyes. Does that make sense? Because when I was 20, I'd be like, what? You did What? 54, I'm like, oh, good, I'm not the only one. Are you with me? So as much as I need grace, you need grace, and as much as you need truth, I need truth. 
Boy, I really have gone sideways on this sermon. But, but it's true, right? I mean, Jesus came in the flesh, filled with grace and truth. So you know what that tells me? The Old Testament about Jesus is coming. The first four, ver- first four chapters of the New Testament are the Gospels. It's about Jesus is here. So if you want to know how Jesus interacted with children, you want to know how he dealt with anger, you want to know what he taught about, you want to know any of the miracles, you want to know his sleeping habits, you want to know about Jesus, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that's the story about Jesus in the flesh. Well, what about the rest of the Bible, which we call the epistles? Well, that too is about Jesus, because in, in Acts, you see this verse that says, you know, men, men of Galilee, why are you looking up into the sky? Don't you know that this same Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, will what? He'll be back. I'm sorry, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jesus had the line long before you. I'll be back. That was a really bad Arnold. I'm sorry. That was more like, hey, Arnold, than Arnold Schwarzenegger. But uh, Jesus says, I'm going to come back. So if the Old Testament about Jesus is coming and the Gospels is about Jesus is here, the rest of the Bible is about Jesus is coming again. And you look at the book of Acts and you look at all the teachings to the churches in, in, in Corinth and the teachers in Galatia and Ephesia, Ephesus and all that. It's all about get ready, get ready, get ready. Jesus is coming back. And that's what we're doing right now to 2022. We're saying let's get ready for Jesus to come back. So this book is about who? This book is about Jesus. And with what we want to do today, um, it was beautifully shared, the scripture, Isaiah 9, 6. That's one of the prophecies. And we're going to read that today. And for the rest of this message, we're going to press into this. And this will help keep us on track for the reason of the season. And this is stuff that you and I need to hear for our own lives about Jesus. And perhaps when you're out to lunch, maybe your waiter or waitress needs to hear this verse. Or like me... Gosh, I've been doing this too much lately. I wait in that 15-minute wait line at Costco so I could save a dollar or two, you know, and that's fine, and gas. And then I get up there, and I realize I don't have my Costco card. You've never done that, right? And so then I'm like, always, oh, just ask that person behind you, but they're going to think you're lying, and they're paying a membership, and you're not, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But maybe you forgot your Costco card today, and then you're going to borrow theirs, and then you're going to share Isaiah 9, 6 with them. I don't know what it is, but God is going to use his word today for your life and others. So Isaiah 9, 6. What does Isaiah 9, 6 read? It says, for us a child is born. Let's do this together, actually. Ready? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I hope you read that out loud in your home or while you're driving. Well, not while you're driving, probably. That means you're watching. That's not good. (laughs) Wonderful Counselor. I want to talk about these four characteristics. And there's over 300 given uh, throughout Scripture about who Jesus is. But we're just going to look at four. The first one is Wonderful Counselor. Every time I've ever preached on this passage, which has been many times, I've never actually done a word study on the word wonderful. So I want to let you know that wonderful at the, at the end of the day means something extraordinary, okay, from a, from a Webster's Dictionary standpoint. But if you look at the original word, uh, the Hebrew word, pala, it comes from the root word for miracle, isn't that awesome? 
So when we say something is wonderful, we're identifying it as a miracle. Now, here's what's cool for me as I'm studying, I'm in my office, I actually just kind of got a smile. I'm like, wow, he's a miracle counselor. Who needs a miracle? I know I do. And I'm just going to tell you, not many of you went like this, but a lot of you went like this. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm up for a miracle. Jesus is being foretold that he is going to be. So this is foretelling. He's going to be. Now you fast forward to 2022. We could say he was and is wonderful counselor. Amen. And so what right here, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, wonderful counselor. I know what counselor means. I know what counselor means. Um, I hate to say it, but early on in the pandemic, I mean, within months in the pandemic, I said, it's not COVID that's going to kill us. Now, please let me be sensitive because some of you have had loved ones, I'm sure, that have passed from COVID just like people passed from the flu and people passed from car accidents and cancer. It's awful, okay? But I said, <laughs> the pandemic is, uh, uh, COVID's not what's gonna kill us. It's the pandemic in isolation for two years. Do you know what's going on in our country right now? From a counselor standpoint, let me just say this, try and make an appointment with a counselor. Try and make an appointment with a counselor. Good luck. Now, please hear me. If you need a worldly counselor, go get a worldly counselor. Keep knocking on the doors. Find somebody. Okay? So I'm not discrediting that at all. Because sometimes, and, and, and if me, if you want to come in and talk to me or one of the pastors, yes. Or a friend, you know. We're all counselors in some degree, right? But literally, counselors today are way overbooked. And all of them that I've talked to are just saying it's happened in the last eight or nine months. And it's a result of what? The pandemic, people being locked up, isolation, you know, all this stuff that was potentially bad just got put on steroids. And I don't mean to be depressing or anything, but suicide numbers are ridiculous right now. So, here, here's what, why I say that, to only say this. Jesus is the answer. You see, Jesus isn't booked. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus isn't only Zoom available. Jesus isn't only between hours 10 to 4. Jesus doesn't have a co-payment, or if you don't have a co-payment, charge $200 an hour. And again, I'm not belittling counselors. I'm just saying this, that the almighty God is a wonderful counselor. Amen? He's who we need. Jesus is who we need. Jesus is going to give the counsel that we need. How many of us have gone to counselors? And again, we need to keep going for marriage or parenting or for our own self. I'm not discrediting counseling. Keep, keep going, okay? But don't go Expecting something that really only Jesus could give. See, part of what I've understood is it takes a few sessions just for the person to even know your name and get half your story, right? Not even half your story, just a segment of your story. You go to Jesus, he's like, he goes right to it because he knows you. 
And he knows the good, he knows the bad, he knows the ugly, and he loves us. Isn't that awesome? We're not going to walk out with shame. He says, come in my office. Matter of fact, I do home visits. (laughs) I do beach visits. I do park visits. I do in your car visits, I do in your office visits. I do on your back visits, I do with your hands up in the air visits. I'm here for you always because I'm a miracle counselor. I do what counselors can't do. I do what counselors can't do. And I'm telling you, it's true. It's not just babble out of my mouth. And again, I'm gonna tell you, God will also use human beings on this earth to give you that wisdom, okay? So don't, keep, I keep saying this, don't say, oh, I'm going to just push away and save myself 200 bucks. Uh, I, I say an hour, maybe it's 45 minutes. I don't know. Wonderful counselor. I love that. And I, and I, and I think about John, Pastor John's sermon a couple weeks ago. And Pastor John shared with us a difficult season in his life. But then his testimony pointed towards Jesus being his counselor. I don't know if you remember that. That was two weeks ago. And so I was thinking in my office, and I'm working on the word studies and working on the sermons. And so, so my office is right there. So I got the computer right here and just hundreds, hundreds of books. And just to the left of my computer is this little section where I've got, I don't know, maybe 10 of these, right, binders. And I was pulling a binder out, and right next to it, I saw, you know how you're just blind to stuff that you're, is always there? I saw a binder, and it says COVID-19. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about that. So I pulled it out, and it's packed. It's like this. You know, it's like a binder for this, but it's just packed. And I opened it up because I started a, a binder for all the stuff that, you know, all the things I was learning, all the stuff that I was writing, and yada, yada, yada. And this, this was the very first thing in the binder. March 13, 2020, 9 a.m., it says. It says, dear teammates. So you got it because you're my teammates, right? Now, I want to give you the history behind this. Thursday is when the pandemic was announced, and you guys have heard me share this. At 4 o'clock, Pastor John and Cynthia and I were, made a decision. We're like, we got to figure out something. What are we going to do about Sunday, right? So, by the way, I have literally hundreds and hundreds of books, like I told you. There just, they're just, they're just wasn't a book on my shelf that says, How to Get a Church Through a Pandemic. No one written that book yet. Plus, the title's way too long. <laughs> and so, I, I'm telling you, I was scared. I, 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 and I know I couldn't call Pastor. He, I mean, he hadn't been through that. And I was like, what are we going to do? Church, I'm just going to shoot straight. All I could do was go to the wonderful counselor. None of my friends would have answers. My staff would give their thoughts, but none of us knew. So here, that's the context. I write this letter the next morning. I am writing to update you on our church's response to COVID-19. This is my first letter to you. My heart is to focus on how best to shepherd us through this public health crisis as responsibly and godly as possible. I have reached out to many churches and many churches have reached out to us, prayed and spoke with some of our leaders here. And the decision for West Valley Christian Church is to cancel all four of our services for this weekend. That had never been done in the history of our church. We are not stopping church. We are simply making some adjustments and hosting church online. I wrote that not even having a clue what we were going to do. 
Later in the letter, I close with this. Please know that I'm not afraid, nor should you be. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. One of my favorite books on fears is Fearless by Max Licato. He writes, fear may fill our world, but it doesn't fill our hearts. It will always knock on the door, just don't invite it in for dinner. And for heaven's sake, don't offer it a bed for the night. Let us be the light in the darkness, I wrote, and let us lead out with Jesus' words, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, which is found in Matthew 14, 27. I close the letter with this. I want to ensure you that moving forward, our staff will be making decisions based on what is best for our community. A friend of mine said this, don't react out of fear, respond out of love for others. My decision is not to react, but rather to lead us through this unique time in our history. Love you, Pastor Rob. Here we are two years later. The lights are on and the doors are open. And church, you may have been here through that journey with us. Maybe you weren't, but we never stopped. We never stopped. We had drive through Mother's Day, drive through Father's Day, drive through Christmas, drive through Harvest Festival, drive through Dodger loses the World Series. I mean, I mean it's every drive through you could think of, we did. You know why Pastor John confessed to you guys he hated the word reimagine a couple weeks ago? Because I used that word a hundred billion times during those years to the staff and said, we need to reimagine. Why am I sharing all this in such great detail? Because whatever happened and however we got this ship back to the harbor, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. Because he's my wonderful counselor. I'm not that smart. Our staff is a great staff. They're not that smart. And church, you're smart, you're gifted, you're amazing, but you're not as smart and gifted as amazing to take on what you're taking on. You need to yoke up with Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor. Amen? John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. You see, God is gonna give us his spirit and he's gonna help us when we can't help ourselves. He's a wonderful counselor, this Jesus. When you look at baby Jesus, when you look at baby Jesus, when you look in the manger and see baby Jesus, I want to see the wonderful counselor. And when you look at your life, even today with whatever you're facing, I want you to be reminded of the wonderful counselor. Set an appointment with him right now. Listen to him. He's your advocate. He's got your back. Almighty God is the second characteristic or the trait. Almighty simply means this, the God of strength. He is in control. You might be out of control, but he is in control. Latch on to him. Jesus has us even when we don't think he's there. That's why scripture says he's always with us to the very end of the age. Amen? Now, some of us don't want him with us between the hours of 9 and 2 a.m. in the morning on a Friday or Saturday night. He may, you may not want him when you're doing a business deal and finishing that contract that may not be completely honest. Or when you're gossiping about a brother or sister. But I want to tell you, Jesus is always there. He's almighty God, Colossians chapter 116, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. 
You see, Jesus displayed his might in the act of creation. Go to the beach, check it out. Go to the mountains, check it out. Go look at the flowers, look at the colors, look at the fall leaves fallen. He shows his might over creation. He shows his might over nature. Look at Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. We're not going through that today, but look at that. Look at, uh, he's got, he displays his power and might over disease. Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. He heals a woman that had been bleeding for 12 years and a woman that was dead, he brought to life. He's got, he's got power over demons. You look at Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. You look at Mark chapter 5, the demon-possessed man. uh, man, And and the the demons in that case, in that story, they're crying out to Jesus, going, man, just send us us into the pigs. Because they know how much greater he is than they are. And the problem with you and I sometimes, 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 is we get that all switched up and think that the evil is greater than the good. We think that the evil is greater than the one that is almighty and I'm here to remind you that Jesus is the son of God and that he is almighty God and greater is he that is in him than he that is in the world and so yes life is hard yes struggles hard yes addictions hard yes relations are hard yes finances hard yes works hard yes pastors hard well yes all this stuff but Jesus is greater than don't forget that then it goes on and You you read Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. You receive power when you say yes to Jesus Christ. You confess him as your Lord. You repent. You believe in his son, Jesus. You get baptized and the Bible says you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible also says this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power in you and I. And some of us are living powerless lives and we need to check, we need to check back. And you're like, what? Yeah, some of us are unplugged. Easton was putting up Christmas lights for his grandparents yesterday, and I'm watching them on the roof and this and that. And I had just a simple job of plugging things in and just making sure he doesn't fall off. And I was thinking, if he falls off, what am I going to do anyways? But um, <laughs> you guys are turning me into child services. No. But, but here's the deal. One of the guys like, it's not working. I'm like, oh, son, sorry. I forgot to plug it in. Right? And some of us are trying to do life not plugged in. We got the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So some of us just need to look back and go, oh yeah, I got a little disconnected from Jesus for a second. I need to plug back in. And he's like, cool, do it. Not like, oh, yeah, where have you been? (laughs) You might be that way, but he's not. Philippians 4, 13, I could do all things through him who gives me strength. That means I could deal with an addiction that I think, yeah, yeah. I could deal with a relationship. I could deal with a marriage. I could deal with a divorce. I could deal with my past. I could deal with, um, I could deal, you know, the list goes on. Yeah, yeah. Because if you want to do it on your own, good luck. And you've heard me say that all the time. Good luck. That's your choice. But then, <laughs> I'm kind of bad. I always respond with, how's that working? <laughs> how's that working? <laughs> but plug in. Connect up. I can't, but he can Everlasting Father, I've shared this with you guys before. I'm very careful on this. I've learned that um, many have not had a good relationship with their father. 
And um, you've got the extremes. You have some of you have had the best father in the world, and some of you have had the worst father in the world, and then probably most of us land in between. But I've had more than once, more than this many fingers of people say, if he's anything like my father, I don't want anything to do with him. At first, that was hard for me to understand, but after hearing it over and over again, and I'll just say that to you guys to also be careful when you're witnessing or you're sharing your faith in your story that you acknowledge that in somebody. If you say Jesus is everlasting father, that might not go off too well. That doesn't mean that you don't share it. You still share it, but you say, you know what? He's everything our earthly fathers ought to have been. And so you missed out on the earthly father. That breaks my heart. He's abandoned you. He's beaten you. He's... uh, you know, the list goes on. He expected too much out of you, abused you, whatever. All those horrific things. Jesus is like, he's hurting for you because he goes, I wish that too, that you had that perfect father. And here I am. But the other side of that is this. My father um, passed uh, at 67 years old, 14 years ago. And you know what's funny? I say this all the time, but it's true. There is no timetable on grief. If anyone puts a timetable on grief for you, you just look at them and say, you need to talk to Pastor Rob because you're mean. Because the truth is there is no, you know, <coughs> everyone's different. But I, I just want to explain. I mean, I don't think about this all the time, but here, this just happened last night. You know how cold it was last night? It's cold. And um, I would do it again, and I'd do it in shorts and a T-shirt. I got to watch my son play high school baseball. So Easton's in ninth grade, and, and uh, they had a game last night and in a stadium under lights. That's a big deal. And there's a moment in the game where <laughs> I went, oh, crud. He was on the mound, and he's pitching. And there's a man on first and second, and he's got a full count on the batter. And I'm thinking, man, if he walks this guy, then you got bases loaded. It's nasty and da 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 you know, and I've got all these excuses. His poor little hand's frozen. He probably can't feel anything, this and that. But I'm not the coach. I'm sitting in the stands. He throws this pitch, and it was just nasty. It was right down the gut, and it just fell off the plate. A nasty curve, and the kid just launched and fell for it and struck out. I was so proud. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> I was proud. Because you shouldn't throw a curveball on a 3-2 count, but that's a whole other thing. You, you, know what, you, know what, you know what my first response was? And I haven't done this for a while. My first response after being proud was, oh, I got to let dad. I got to let dad know. I was ready to send my dad a text. That, that triggered something in me to want to send dad. I was so proud. And I couldn't. Because my earthly father is not my everlasting father. Jesus is your everlasting father. Amen? And he's got your back, and he wants to be everything your earthly fathers were good and everything that you missed out on. He is proud of us. He loves us. He makes time for us. He listens to us. He disciplines us. He provides for us, and so much more as an everlasting father. And I close with Prince of Peace. Peace, the word is shalom. The Greek meaning is unity and accord. I don't know about you, but I need unity and accord going on right here. Are you with me? Man, sometimes I got so much chaos going on in here. And I just need peace. 
The worldly definition of peace is the absence of conflict. That's not the biblical definition of peace. Because the peace that Jesus offers is in the midst of chaos and conflict. We could have rest. I need that. How about you? Well, these are just four traits of Jesus. Foretold, he was born, he lived it while here on this earth, and he's still living it as he prepares a place for us in heaven. Jesus is my wonderful counselor, my almighty God, my everlasting father, and my prince of peace. How about you? God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. May we know him in this way this week for his counsel, for his miracle ability, for his everlasting, and for the peace that he brings us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion